Welcome and thanks for listening to the Franklin Road Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast consists of the preaching and teaching from the pulpit of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our prayer is that what you hear from this podcast will bless and encourage your Christian life as you seek to follow Him. We strongly believe there is no substitute for being a part of a thriving local church. If you're in the Murfreesboro area, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday or Wednesday. But if you are enjoying this preaching from somewhere else, we want to encourage you to find a Bible preaching church where you can grow and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. If you're listening to this podcast and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love nothing more than to help show you how you can have your eternity settled and begin your relationship with God. Feel free to visit us in person or online at frbc.com for more information. Now let's see what God has for us from His Word today. 1 John chapter 3. I asked my wife, I said, what in the world could we do for everybody that helped? There were so many of you that pitched in last night and made that happen. And what could we do? She said, get all of them a certificate to go to the chiropractor. She said, that'd be a good thing right there. <laughs> we're not going to do that. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway, thank you again for all of that. My grandson, Braxton, and his dad um, took a quick trip uh, the other night to Louisville and back to go to an activity they've been planning for a long time. And uh, my little blonde-haired five-year-old granddaughter, Baylor, said before they leave and said, uh, was there anything you want to say, sissy? And she said, well, as Nana would say, be careful, boys. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> It's not quite how she said it, but that's what I could say in church, all right? <laughs> Nothing bad. Let's stand together for reading God's Word. I felt like everybody was crying, so I thought I'd make you laugh for a while. So the next part is to make you mad, so that's what I'm going to do right now. First John chapter 3, we've been working through this book. This was actually part 9 of a series entitled Beloved, and uh, I want to pick up reading verse number 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. <laughs> well, we could park there for a while, couldn't we? We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now, there's a contrast there. You've got the brethren, saved people, and you've got the world, and you and I are supposed to love the brethren and hate the world. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That's love in action. You can pick up reading more about that in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. He's summarizing here. He that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him. 
Hereby we know that he abideth in us, but the spirit which he hath given us. I'll draw your attention to verse number 21. I like to use that to pull this section of scripture together. Let's read that out loud, verse 21. Ready? Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. That idea, confidence of the beloved. I want you to live in this world with great confidence because God wants us to have that. And I want to speak on the confidence of the beloved. Father, bless your word. Lord, help us. The clock is ticking. And I pray you'll just keep our attention, Lord, for just a while. I believe this will be a help to all of us. And help me as I preach. I ask for the power of thy spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. We're living in a day when we should be intentionally building our faith in God. Now, that's not just an introductory statement, just that. When I say intentionally, we should be intentionally growing closer to God. We should be giving up things that's worldly. We should be taking on things that are godly. We are daily witnessing sheer evil in our world. And this should not weaken us, but rather build us up as we see the fulfillment of Scripture before our very eyes. I'm shocked at how Christians cower of what they listen to in the media. Why, we should not be cowering, we should be bold as lions. Because this is exactly what God said would happen when you think about it. So, uh, I was thinking about all of this. I want you to take your Bibles for just a moment, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to preach a sermon at in my introduction. I'll get back to this passage here. But I want to talk to you about how God wants us to have confidence. I said something just last night as I was walking around. A lot of folks came by the tent when they had on a beard and a toboggan. I was dressed like a lumberjack, and I loved it. No one knew who we were. And, uh, but when they finally figured it out, they'd sit down, you know, and they'd talk to this bearded man. And one man was saying about how bad things were, and I said this. I said, this generation of Christianity is not ready to die for their faith. I want you to consider that. If you're not trying to build your faith right now, you're not going to have the confidence that you're going to need in the coming months and years. And I'll take you to Ephesians chapter six, chapter 3 because Paul is speaking about this to the Ephesian church. And this is an introduction, so stick with me. I'm going to zip through this quick and just make mention here of some passages. The Bible says, verse 10, Ephesians 3, verse 10, to the intent that now under the principalities. Is that what your Bible says right there? Because I have this written down. Okay, good. I'm in the right place. All right. Uh, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, and here that's not necessarily talking about the good angels <laughs> as much as it's talking about the bad angels, as he talks about that they're rulers of wickedness in high places and principalities and powers, that's the hierarchy of evil. He says, uh, might be known by the church uh, the manifold wisdom of God. So God wants us to see and expose uh, what the devil is trying to do. And according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, watch this now, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. That's talking about you and I 
are going to be able, because we're born again, we've got the Word of God, we've got the Spirit of God living inside of us, we've got all we need to have exposed to us the evilness in all these principalities and, and powers and all these rules of darkness. And so God gives his people wisdom. Is everybody, wisdom. Is everybody with me right now? And he goes on to say, you've got this boldness, you've got this confidence, wherefore, I, by the way, let me just stop and say this right now. I am ashamed and embarrassed that conservative people in America have more boldness than God's people have in giving out the gospel. We can fill up stadiums for our political cause, but we can't fill up the house of God for the cause of the gospel. You'll be hearing more about that. I didn't get enough amens right there, so I hit a note. I just made a mark, so we'll be coming back to that real soon. You know what I'm talking about if you have your ear to the ground. So if God's given us this boldness and confidence, wherefore he says, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Uh, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Watch this now. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in, our, in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. God wants this for everybody, not just a select few. What is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and another love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to exceed abundantly above all that ye ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus Throughout all ages, watch this now, world without end, amen. What he's saying is this, uh, as the closer we get to the end of time, God's people that are intentional about their faith will grow their faith and they'll uh, obtain boldness and confidence and they'll stake their roots deep, uh, be rooted and grounded in, in their faith. And, and that's where you should be right now. Right now, Here's where you should be as a born-again Christian. I'm going to get to my text in just a moment. By the way, go ahead and turn back to 1 John 3. Here's where you should be right now. Right now, you should be a student of the Scriptures. Right now, you should not be struggling to pick up your Bible, read your Bible every day. If you're struggling right now, if you're going days and weeks without reading your Bible, you're going to have problems the longer we get to the coming of Christ. You should not be struggling in your prayer closet. You should not be struggling with faithfulness to God's house. You should not be struggling with the petty things that pull you away from God. And by the way, the devil is throwing everything but the kitchen sink at God's people, trying to weaken their faith, get them mad, get them upset, get them out of church. That is the worst thing you can do. And you ought to pinpoint that and target that and just say, get away from me, devil. I'm not going that way. I'm sticking with God. We should be intentionally growing our faith. Sorry about the long introduction. He says, he mentions the word church in this section twice. He mentions all the saints. He mentions the whole family of God. This is for all of us. Sometimes I think some sit out there and, and you think, well, he's just talking to the, to the good Christians. No, he's talking to everybody. And I'm talking to everybody. Some of you men out there, some of you men out there, you're, you're macho, and I'm glad you are. I am for a masculine man. I'm all about that. But some of you, you won't ask anybody for help. 
You act like you can do it all on your own. That's not God's intention for your life. God wants you to congregate. God wants you to be around godly men. God wants you to be strong in the Lord. God wants the men of this church to lead the pack in what we're going into, whatever it's going to be. And you need to be strong in God. You need to warm up your little amen or that's what you need to do. By the way, we've lost a couple of good amen-ers, and they've gone home to heaven, so somebody in here better replace them. You, you thinking, you're a 25-year-old man sitting back there and say, you talking to me? I'm talking to you. Amen. No, I don't have a beard, but I, if I grew one, it'd be a long one. But anyway. We are to be growing closer to God. Our lifestyles and the thoughts of our minds should demonstrate this. And we're to be growing closer together as a church to each other. We should be distancing ourselves from this world system that's propped up by Satan. So according to 1 John 3.21, our text, when our hearts do not condemn us, then we have this confidence to live for God in this evil world. Now we're going to address that in just a moment. I want you to write down three things this morning by way of our text today in 1 John chapter 3. Number one, please notice in verse 13, our confidence is not based on this in this world. On this world. Our confidence is not based on this world. Verse 13 says this, marvel not. Huh. What does that mean? Surprise, surprise, surprise. This should not shock you. Marvel not. My brethren, if the world hates you, it comes to no surprise that the world hates us. By the way, if no one told you this lately, Hollywood hates you. The gamer world hates you. I'm kind of shocked at even some particular, particular, I'm not going to name them, commercial entities that's been robbing us of a lot of things over a period of time. And we thought that they loved us in the way they fed us. I'm shocked uh, at, I shouldn't be shocked, over social media and, uh, and even some of the algorithms that's used and some of the websites that we follow, how we found out just lately, it's really an attack on the family. You see, Satan is devious. And Satan is working overtime to rob you of your faith in God, to stop you from growing, to get you just about as mad and sidetracked as he can get you. And so uh, it should come as no surprise to us that the world hates us. True Christians are being singled out right now and will be required to stand for their faith in the near future. And, and uh, I'll tell you what I am shocked about. I'm shocked by the number of Christians that are putting their trust in this world. I'm shocked at the number of Christians that follow the trends of this world and follow the ideas of this world. This world is not your friend. In fact, we've already studied this, but we are forbidden to love the world. Look at chapter 2, verse 15. Is everybody with me right now? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love the Father is not in him. Well, why is that, God? For all this that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Well, I think I'll do it anyway. All right, verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of the Father, uh, of God, abideth forever. It's all going to burn. I said this a few weeks ago, don't live for the ashtray. Live for God. 
And so, uh, by the way, Jesus said this in his intercessory prayer, John 17, 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And whom the God of this world, speaking of Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are not of this world. And I'm not trying to make you out of some kind of a freak show. The disciples were not of this world. The early Christians were not of this world. You can read all about it right in the Bible. The reformers were not of this world. Early Christians and our founding fathers in America were not of this world. And so we live differently. This shouldn't surprise us. Marvel not. So we got a decision right at the very beginning of the message. Am I going to live for God? Am I going to live for the world? And I'm going to tell you the decision that most Christians make. I'm going to dabble a little bit over here. And I'm going to dabble a little bit over here. And you're going to bring things into your marriage and into your home and into your family that's going to cost you. Don't have time to preach on that. Number one, our confidence is not based on this world. My confidence, my foundation my livelihood and my happiness is not based on this world. Number two, our confidence is bolstered by the brotherhood. Our confidence is bolstered or supported by the brotherhood. Verse 14, we know, he follows it up, we know quickly that we have passed from death and life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abideth in death. In this evil world, we are going to need each other more and more. Was like that in the Bible. That's why we don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. By the way, give me a problem. M m make me find a way to make more room. Uh, I'd like to come in here next Sunday and say, could some of y'all scoot over in this section so we can make some room for the folks coming in? Wouldn't that be great? You say it can't happen. I didn't think we could put 2,500 people more or more in the soccer field. They told me last night we had cars every place you could park cars. Wouldn't it be great? Fly the drone over that baby. That's for the glory of God. We need revival. Loving the brethren is a sign of genuine conversion, verse 14. Look at verse chapter 4, verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, Beloved, let us... Love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is, is born of God and knoweth God. Look at uh, uh, verse number 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Look at uh, verse number 20, chapter 4. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. And he, he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? So he doubles, doubles down on this thing. So we see here that loving the brethren is a sign of genuine conversion. But also, secondly, is a commitment to never hate, verse 15. For whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Uh, thirdly, is a willingness to die for our brethren, verse 16. We should be willing to lay down our lives for our brethren. This is why, why I make statements like I made a while ago. You think I just throw statements out just to be throwing them out. I said this, I said this generation of American Christians is not at the place to die for their brothers and sisters. And you know that's a true statement. 
But it's a very rare thing in the Bible for us not to be that kind of person. All of you looking at me and you're saying, you're saying, bring it, preacher. Bring it on. Yeah, I'm the one that goes to jail. So if I bring it on, I'll bring it on at my rate and pace, not yours. See, I'll bring you fried chicken. The only person that he do that is Curtis Woodruff, he's sick. I'll be like Aunt B and bring it in there with that there red and white little thing over top of it. Yeah, right. Probably COVID set in, you won't even be able to visit me. That's not what it's all about anyway. It's all about being willing. If we get to the place, we will lay down our lives for our brethren. Not just, verse 18, not just with lip service, but love in action. This all brings assurance to our hearts and builds our confidence as a child of God, verse 19. And then there's a little test. There's a little assessment. Verse 19, hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. In other words, he's going to show us, he's going to show us a way of knowing that we're right with God in this area. That we, 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 don't, we don't follow the world. The world hates us. And our group is the brethren. We love the brethren. Here's the test. Verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. That means that as we pray and, and, and ask God about these things, that he can convict us because God knows our heart and he can show you how to fix this thing. Look at verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. So we have this little assessment going on right here. It should be going on a lot. As you pray, let me ask you, does your heart condemn you in this matter? Is there another Christian that you hate? By the way, that is a very strong word. I'm not talking about disliking a person or somebody you probably wouldn't send a Christmas card to. Hate's a very strong word. Do you want to see harm come to them? Is it somebody that you want to personally injure yourself? We all, we all understand that we should be forgiving. That's throughout the Bible. But understand also you can forgive someone and still not trust or accept their behavior as they continue in their sin. No one does that. And you don't do it. But what you like to do is you like to look at that one person you think hates somebody else. And you like to judge them in that. But you won't even judge yourself in that. Everybody okay right now? Instead of taking a little test, assessment. You see, I want you to be writing these things. I, I said no one does that. God doesn't even expect that of you. God has forgiven this whole world. How many believe that forgiveness is available for everybody? How many believe that? But those who do not accept him as Savior will be condemned and judged. Now, I know some of you right now, you're thinking all that through right there. You're filtering through your Reformed theology and all that. I get that. But let's just be simple. How many have children? Hold your hand. You got children? You got children. And how many have disciplined your children in some form? Not as many hands raised there. I'm not talking about capital punishment. (laughs) Sit down! I mean, just anything like that, you know. Stand up! You know, just anything. And you do that because you love them. And how many have children that don't raise your hand here? They keep on doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And how many understand they're still your child and you still love them, but you spank the daylights out of them? Or you scream at them or whatever you do. Well, I'll probably go to jail for that statement. Even Christians are chastened by God when they sin. 
Let's just put it all right down because I know some of you hung up on this right here, so let's just get through it. Paul said this about some of the men that gave him trouble, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, to deliver such of one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1, 20, of, he names names, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. <laughs> Burn him up! No, that's not, not really what he was saying, but... Romans 16, verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that do such things uh, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. So, how about this? Judge not to be not judged. Just make sure you're doing the right thing in your relationship, and you forgive the people the way God wants you to forgive them. But when a person keeps sinning over and over and over and over again, doesn't mean you hate them because you don't reward them for their bad behavior. And you don't do that to your kids. And you know how God does you. And you know what I'm saying is true. Is everybody with me right now? Some of you are. And that's good. Let's move on. We took a little test right there. Is everybody okay? I want to encourage you to regularly assess your level of love and fellowship among the brethren. We're going to need each other the nearer we get to the Lord coming back. And that's why he puts that in there. Number three, write this down. I'm finished. Our confidence comes from our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes, it's bolstered with the brotherhood. There's nothing like, man, last night, this past week, I mean, we did a lot of work behind the scenes to, to pull all of it together, to have the revival that we had. And then there's a tremendous amount of work that goes on behind the scenes to pull off a harvest festival. People met early and they pulled it all together. And all, but then to see the thing come off, See the revival and the singing under the tent, the joy and rejoicing. See the, the, the kids laughing and having a, having a great time and smiling. Just, just before the revival, the kids out there are throwing the footballs and soccer balls and just fellowship. And I just enjoy all that. Enjoy people loving on each other. Last night, people dragging around all them candy bags. I saw and everybody was dressed up. I was dressed up. And, and, uh, one boy had a Martian blown up and had him around that looked like this Martian was trying to take him off. I said, buddy, that guy's trying. Yep, he's been trying to get me all night, preacher. <laughs> it was hilarious. Walking around in dinosaur outfits. Fred Flintstone was there last night. Yabba dabba do. And I mean, it was just a blast. And I don't know why I say all that other than to say that that bolsters my faith. It supports what we're trying to accomplish here. I am so glad that I'm part of the family of God. That's the way God intended. Now, you, the, you've got the, the honky-tonk and the bar. That's what the world has. The rock concerts and the whatever groupies do and, you know, whatever you want. And I, I'm just saying that God has a group too. That group should have fun. But our belief in Christ our belief in Christ builds our confidence. Several things here, verses 22 and 23. We, uh, we are to keep his commandments, first of all. Secondly, we are to pray to him for answers in, to, to, to life's problems. Look at chapter 5, verse 14. Chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, 
whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire him. So, so this, this idea, I'm trying to help you not just believe in Christ for salvation. You've done that if you're, if you're saved. But now as you move forward, the things that builds that faith is we keep his commandments. He says, don't commit adultery. We don't commit adultery. How about starting right there? That means we don't watch it on the movies. Uh, uh, we don't, uh, don't, don't put uh, uh, alcoholic beverage, uh, mixed drink to your mouth uh, that moves itself aright from any beverage, and we don't do that. Amen. We don't take God's name in vain. How about just some starting places here? And then we learn to do things like go to church because that's a command. Tithe because that's a command. Tell folks about Christ because that's a man. command. We just start. That's how we bolster our faith. Last night, just... Just what little bit of witnessing I had a chance to do, uh, it was just, it was, it was refreshing to me. And it supports what we're trying to do. And to hear we had 24 saved and all of that. I'm just saying, keeping the commandments of God, uh, getting answers to our prayers. Oh, how refreshing that is. We are to verse, uh, the next verse says, we're to do things that are pleasing to him. This should be our lifestyle. Jesus Christ said, I do all those things that please him. That's how Christ walked in his life. And you and I should get up every day and decide we're not going to necessarily please ourselves. We're going to find something that pleases God. I'm just trying to get you to intentionally build your faith. Some of you right now should be thinking of witnessing opportunities when you hit the office on Monday. Some of you right now ought to be thinking about somebody you want to do something for next week. Uh, and caring for them. I'm just saying, that is what Christians do. And it should be intentional. And all these things gives us confidence for what's coming down the pike. There's a promise attached to this. Verse number 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, speaking of the Holy Spirit, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Let's see if I can get this to you. Whenever we build our belief, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this con- there's this confidence that Christ dwells in us. You begin to hear the still, small voice of God. He abides in us by the Holy Spirit that he has given us. We sing this song and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. The joy we share is we tarry there none other has ever known. I want to get you as quick as I can to the place where you feel like when you open your Bible that the Holy Spirit of God speak into your heart. I want to get you to the place where there's so much of the Word of God in you and so much love for Christ in you that as you take each step, you're looking for ways to be a blessing to other people to please the Lord. That's what a Christian's supposed to do. That will revolutionize the people that we're around every day. As the old hymn goes, leaning on the everlasting arms, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. So I ask you this morning. Are you still in love with the world? If so. 
You're coming to a rude awakening someday. Because the world's going to turn on you. And the world is turning on you right now. Let me ask you a question. Are you in good fellowship with the family of God? The church? I'm not saying you know everybody here. I'm just saying you're going down the same path. Why not? Let me ask you. Is your faith in God stronger now or weaker? Are you actively and intentionally trying to build your faith right now? And can you define the steps that you're taking to accomplish this growth? We just like to throw all these spiritual things out there. Walk with Jesus today. Are you? When I was in Bible college, you had to define that. You had to put that down. I don't know if any of you are in leadership and you've ever had to do an employee evaluation. We don't do a lot of it here. Mr. Kramer does more of it than I do. But when I used to work for Kroger's and was trained to be in management, I had to do what was called employee evaluation, one of the hardest things. Whenever that employee came in, you had this worksheet, and you, had to, you couldn't just be uh, subjective with that. You had to be objective. You had to put down the good things and the not-so-good things, and you had, a way to, had to find a way to positively address those things and so forth. You know, you can either let God do that and assess yourself and let him assess you, or you could assess yourself right now, sooner rather than later, and bow your head and ask God, does your heart condemn you? Lord, today is... If I'm honest, do I, do I love the world more than I love you? Stop. Let's evaluate that. Let's define that. Do you love the world more than you love God? Who do you obey? you obey the world? Or do you obey God? Where's your money go? Does it go more to the world? Go to the things of God. Where's your time go? Does it go more to the world? Does it go more to God? Everybody okay right now? Are you ready to fill up a stadium on the house of God or fill up the house of God? Evaluate yourself. Lord, do I love the brethren? Is there somebody I, I hate? Oh, boom. Somebody's face popping up right now. Chances are there's not too many people in here that hate anybody. We're just good old southern people, aren't we? But there may be something wall around your head you need to fix. But the biggest thing is this. God, we're asking our heart. Judge my heart, Lord. Right now, Lord, am I faithful to you and the fellowship of the brethren? Or I just keep it all at arm's length? Lord, I, I want to get more involved, but I'm not. You can, you can actually define that, our belief in Jesus Christ. Lord, you know I believe in you, starting place, 
Salvation, born again, starting place. What have you done with that? Do you believe God so much and you're so close to God that you know the gospel and you can trust God and the boldness of the Holy Spirit of God to sit down and tell somebody about Jesus Christ? And I'm not there yet. We need to build our faith. Because nothing's going to change Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and nothing's going to change Tennessee or America until God's people get back to telling folks about Christ. Let's stand together, please, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. And I'm just talking about, I want you to have confidence. Confidence of the beloved. Father, today, thank you for your word. And I pray you'll help us as born-again Christians to be willing to assess ourselves. To pray to you. And ask you, Lord, please, to shine the light in our souls and make this thing right. We rejoice in everything that's been accomplished the past seven to ten days, and we thank you for that. But now we move forward. I pray that you can bolster our confidence with the brotherhood. I pray you'll help us to not base our confidence on the world. And I pray that you'll help us today as your people to make our belief in you so strong. And we know that you're right with us in witnessing and going through the evil of this world. I want these people to sense that in their life. Help us, please, we pray in Jesus' name.